Uh, I, just, I just think that it's a disaster. Yeah. I Kind of like the uh, QR codes. Where were we that they didn't work? It's like they had them on the table. Oh, Molly Rose. They had the QR codes on the Molly Rose, yeah. It didn't matter, though, because they, they just sort of were bouncing around anyways. Yeah. she She's good. I've, I've, she's served me before, so she's one of their yeah. regular staff. Um, it's good. It's always surprising when people remember you when you've only been there. That would have been my third time total, so, yeah. Hey, I suppose that's what you get with good staff, so. Okay, I suppose yeah. we better get into this. Let's hit it. It's really loud. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff. We're back. Another week of the Beer Engine podcast, fresh off a uh, couple weeks off uh, for a, an extended trip to Australia. Didn't actually get to extend it, but kind of wrapped it around a few days in California. So good, good times, and uh, of course, jo- joined by uh, my longtime co-host Tony, uh, who was so kind to show us around Melbourne and the surrounding area. Of course, even his family getting in on the mix and. Taking us around uh, Gippsland, such a nice time. Tony, how are you doing? Uh, 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 Tans Van Zandt, um, when did... Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 um, um, uh, somewhere between 15, uh, 20, or 25, or 15 years ago. Boy, it must have been 15 or 20, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Um yeah, it just makes you like ponder that, life and um, uh, what life is all about. But yes, I was able to show you around um, the. Um, I am thinking city, about that city that I love, which is Melbourne. Um, I got to experience some new places. We um, checked out not only places that I knew well, but other places that I didn't know so well. Hopefully, I gave you a uh, broad cross section uh, of Melbourne, and um, yeah. I hope you had a good time in Australia, both in Melbourne and in Sydney. With the time that you spent, it was beautiful. Uh, a couple, we will have Kelly on in the next week or so to uh, really run down, think through some of our favorite uh, things. But I just wanted to bang out a couple highlights right off the bat, so we make sure I thank all of our uh, uh, folks who um, came out and saw us. Notably, Nick, uh, yep. who did come out and see us. Uh, thank you, Nick, for being very generous. Um, certainly, buying a few rounds and uh, as we went to Los and. And driving us around uh, between uh, places like La Serena and Carwin and uh, meeting us up at Deeds and all that stuff. Very, very kind fellow and really a, a true gentleman if you make yep. your way to Australia and you're involved in the podcast. I'm sure he would meet you up for a beer and he's about as uh, about as good as they come. So thank you to Nick. Um, enjoyed greatly hanging out uh, in your hometown, Tony, in Mafra and checking out the Mafco Brewery. Thanks to Jimmy for... Showing us around the brewery, uh, nice fellow, uh, yep. brewed some good beers too, had some, got to try Tony's beer in fact, his uh, ESB, and which he'll be talking about here in a little bit, but quite tasty. And then um, also uh, shout out to Ke- uh, Tony's friends, uh, Kelly and Andrew, yes. conveniently enough names, um, for uh, uh, helping us get down to, what, what was that area called? Uh, Mordioc? 
Mortalock? Morty Alec. Morty Alec. That's what it was. Um, to go to Boat Rocker, uh, which was incredible. Boat Rocker really blew all of us away. I thought, yeah. I thought those were some of the best beers of the whole trip. Uh, th- those guys get any get any of their beers on on uh, oak and oh, look out that that stuff is really excellent. Yep. Um, and uh, Wolf of the Willows and um, what was the third stomping ground? Which by that one, I I was starting to fall apart. Uh, <laughs> the two two full days of drinking, notably the Saturday where we, I was pretty hungover from, uh, and then kicking off with uh, lunchtime with some barrel aged uh, started to put me out. So that day. The weekend was quite the event. We had a great time. Yeah, that, but uh, it was an was excellent time. Weekend. It was, and then Tony, yours, yours got extended. Well, your whole trip, your whole shit got extended. We did all this stuff. We we go nuts for a whole week, and yep. Tony has to come back to Mafra and go serve at a beer fest. So how did that go? That went um, really well. Um, you know what a beer fest is like. You have to bring a lot of equipment. Uh, Mafco actually bought their yep. truck out. They have a. 1940s or 50s Chevy um, work truck that they have beer taps right. in. So that was that was set up and Jimmy had to refurbish with lines and, of course, we had that set up and two days before he got the beer line guy in to put new lines in the whole thing and it started pissing beer out everywhere when we put one of the kegs on. <laughs> one of the lines yeah. had snapped. Clearly um, something had gone wrong there, whether it was the wrong line put in. I'm guessing it was put in incorrectly. Anyway, we got that fixed. Um, we had to put up a shelter because it started raining just before serving. Had, had to Good. put pallets down so we didn't get too muddy. Uh, ended up the rain shower blew away and the sun came out later in the day. They had a bumper crowd, uh, did an amazing Good. amount of sales, uh, of both um, tap beer and takeaway beer, so it was really successful. Uh, the most popular beer was the sour, which you've had um, and can speak to. Delicious, yeah. Re- really delicious, Very pleasant, straight, right. straightforward sour, yeah. um, which works on a beautiful hot sun- sunny day. And I think the second mm-hmm. top seller was the Armbender. So, that, so that's always nice to stroke the ego. But it was a successful day. All of the beers seemed great. Uh, I didn't really get a chance to get around to the other breweries. Uh, Jimmy did do a beer exchange at the end of the night, so I have had a chance to try the beers from Five Acres and from the local cidery Gurneys, and they do a hopped cider with Calypso. I like that. And it's really yeah. delicious. But a very successful yeah, I festival. I like the ciders. And I can see it going ahead next year uh, even even bigger and better because this was the first time doing this Gippsland Beer Festival. Uh, it took place at Tanamba a place that you're familiar with. They blocked off the road and, and we were opposite the hotel um, just on the nature strip of, of a business. So, yeah, worked out great. Yeah, beautiful. The ESB was good. I did like the lime, uh, raspberry lime sour. Yep. Uh, I thought all the beers at Mafra were, or Mafco were, were really nice, um, pleasantly drinkable. Uh, the pale ale, I think, has a... Not a dead ringer for Sierra Nevada, but good. Yeah, uh, I think on the on the path to Sierra Nevada. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really um, that classic, um, like basic, um, like Cascade hopped pale yeah. ale. That's that's what Jimmy's intention right. was. It's it's a beer that all three of us like. Um, Sierra Nevada pale 
is a beer that's still good to this day, but it's that classic um, cascade hop um, thing that is just yep. so perfect for any weather condition. So that was that was the thought process behind that beer. Yeah, it was good stuff. Um, that's exciting. Uh, the uh, are there any plans now? I know you had uh, you had started hinting about uh, starting to get some of these Mafco beers out into the marketplace. Is that, is that going to be proceeding in any way? I know there's a couple connections that you guys have out in that area. So, Well, the uh, beer um, festival actually led to one. Um, there was a guy that came out. He, he was actually pouring beers for Sailor's Grave, who I yeah, think great. You those had, beers were wonderful, yeah. Yeah, a few of their beers. Um, but he actually owns a beer shop that uh, we went to on the last day of your trip and was looking oh, for Oh, the beer. Uh, beer Mash? Yes, he's the owner of Beer yeah, Mash. Yeah, that place was uh, wonderful, yeah, yeah. That place was really good. That was one of my faves. So he was looking to buy beers and wanted to know what was available from Mafco, both in cans and, of course, kegs because he does – like theme kegs, as you as you've seen, yeah. And he said, for sure, because I mentioned that I was there on 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 the Friday, and he said, so you've actually tasted some of the beers that were on tap, uh, because he hadn't got a chance to get into his own business to, to taste them out. Um, so that, that well, and they was, were having their anniversary party, so it was yeah. uh, they were having a kind of anniversary draft list. You had a couple of them. Those one drop. Uh, fruited sours, which that were was wild. Fucking straight up. I mean, some of the most uh, disturbing gloop colors and textures you'll ever run into. The beers did taste nice, yep. but they were um, straight up Jamba Juice. Uh, yeah, they were. That right out, crazy. right out of the blender. I mean, it was wild. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, Beer Mash was a great place. It was really yeah. Good. So, uh, without, I know you're going to get Kelly on next week. What were your highlights? Just maybe a top three, or or just just some highlights from both Sydney and Melbourne and or wherever. What we what were your highlights? In all the nature. Yep, I loved all the nature. Uh, honorable mention for nature. So Blue Mountains, the um, uh, the rainforest. Uh, where was that? That was called um, Tara Valley. Uh, ter- ter- yep, uh, Tara Valley. Uh, very beautiful. Uh, the beaches in Sydney, Manly, and uh, Bond. We did the Bondi Akuji walk. Just stunning, you know. Every 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 step is another picture. So very really pretty there. Um, and all the birds and all that stuff was really cool to us. Um, and then uh, I think in that top three, not to rank them because I can't. I don't think yet. But St. Peter dinner at St. Peter in Sydney. Uh, I mean, stunning. Every course yep. was sort of a manipulation of seafood they're using 95 percent of the fish i mean it's just like this insane yield that they're getting out of the out of the seafood it's mind-blowing we'll talk more about that next week um i'd say going out to mountain culture was a highlight uh that brewery had just really reminded me of being in Asheville too like being at burial and having all the mountains there and drinking hazy ipa <laughs> and uh, fucking sugar stout, and you're like, damn, this is burial. This is crazy how they replicated it. Um, and their food was good as hell too, by the way. They had excellent uh, sandwiches and stuff at that place. Um, and then I thought, just uh, you know, the the whole Melbourne experience was just kind of you have to take it all in at once. You know, it's a lot of there's yep. like this whole 
sort of casual food walk-in culture for food that I think is really great. Um, food trucks, uh, you know, we had great ramen, we had the dumpling festival, falafel, all that stuff is some of my favorite food of the whole trip. And, um, I think their and their beer culture, obviously so much more developed than Sydney. No offense to Sydney, uh, but just, but maybe a little bit, but the Albert beer culture is just way, 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 way ahead of, of Sydney's, uh, which we knew going in. Um, but, uh, uh, all of them great deeds. Deeds might as could as well have been half acre. You could have slapped <laughs> a half acre. You know, yep. It just felt like that. There is just this very. I mean, I'm not saying the beers are the same. No, I, um, I get what you you're saying. Have, you could have walked in there. You would have not been surprised that that was half acre. This very yeah. modern, very well kept, um, very sharp brewery. Uh, that's sort of a little bit out of the way, but not really that out not of the it. way. No. Um, but uh, uh, very. Um, just a, a tremendous amount of, of really tasty beers. So they, they have sort of, you know, the up and down of the beer culture pretty well developed in Melbourne from the shops, the sour breweries, to the clean beer, to the lager, to all, to the barrel age focus, you know, all that stuff, um, the niche brewers and stuff that they cover it all. So I think we'll cover that more next week, but yep, so that whole Melbourne beer seat is, is quite sharp and, who couldn't say that a highlight of it was sharing a big bottle of side project with you and Nick and Kelly. What a time that oh, was. That was amazing. Um, wasn't even Australian beer, but at least we were in Australia and it was good as hell. So who <laughs> can't complain. Yeah. I, I do certainly have some beer highlights that, that we'll talk about next week, but remind yeah, me to talk yeah, about that, that uh, last cherry beer that we had. That was mind blowing. Um, oh, that was good as hell too. Yeah. We yeah. drank a spontan cherry. We all love that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, um, it's interesting that you say that Melbourne's beer culture is more developed than Sydney because I often worry that um, state bias is getting in the way of somebody like me being um, sort of unbiased towards that, that discussion because Sydney and Melbourne's rivalry, it, it runs deep. It's kind of like um, Chicago, Indiana kind of, maybe not quite that sure. deep as far as the hatred goes. But these are... We have a rivalry, and we love to shit on each other. It's just—it's like Chicago and New York a little bit. I mean, yeah, Sydney probably. gets the New York treatment. It feels like New York, right? It has a more New York vibe in Sydney to me, um, or even like I don't know what's a more polished version of it. It's—it's it's this very LA. Um, no, it's sharp. It's a yeah, could be that. It's, okay. it's easier to get around than LA, but um, yeah, it's very polished. It's all the all the high fashion, all centralized. Um, it is easy to get around. Uh, it's, so it's easier than all American cities in that way. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's got the beautiful beaches. It's got beautiful people. I'm sure that that's a popular place for like, yep, to um, hang out on the beach, especially yes, hang out on the beach, be seen all that, you know, the, um, it's, it's stunning. Uh, but, um, you know, that's what you get out of it, though, too, right? And, and maybe that is more New York. It is very elevated. Everything is very elevated. That's why we did, like, the fine dining meal in, in Sydney. Not because there isn't great fine dining in Melbourne, but because that's sort of – you're not you're not as likely to stumble into the falafel place on the street. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, it doesn't mean those don't exist, but you just really – you almost have to go find them. Yeah, in you that, have to sift them Sydney, out. You know? Um, and I think – uh, beer comes along with that, right? And coffee too, I think, to a degree. Now we did have some amazing coffee in Sydney. Still, don't don't get me wrong, but that's but, we did some of those more elevated things there, right? We went to 
Um, we went to some of the top 50 cocktail bars, you know, which was great. And we did a couple in Melbourne too, but, um, you know, the, we, the one in Sydney is like the rated number one in the world. Do I think it's the number one bar in the world? Probably not, but it is, it was good. It was cool to see. Um, and, and it just made sense, but I think, um, Melbourne has more of that Chicago feel to it where it's got a little bit of a different edge, I guess, you know, known for different stuff does not have the, like, uh, I guess that that same just like pristine uh, set of beaches and nature and people that are yep. walking around all the time. It's sort of got more of a got more of the Brian Malika type of people walking around wigs, lots of you know wigs. maybe colored colored hair yep. is sort of his thing. You know, <laughs> it's got a little bit more of that edge. So, um, and that's why I think the beer scene comes. Out. I think of Sydney. We only did breweries the first day. We went to Wildflower. And then down the street was Sauce and Batch. And um, those were only okay. I mean, Wildflower was good. I really, really liked Wildflower. But um, I thought Sauce and Batch were only pretty much average. So, um, and I'm, I'm glad we did that that way. And then Melbourne was just such, yeah, it was just, it was just farther down the road. So that's no. all I got about that, I think, right now. But Yeah, it was it just interesting to hear that. But did you run into any conspiracy theorists in Sydney? Because that's something Melbourne does oh, have. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> we were Yeah, we were leaving leaving the leaving Boat Rocker, right? Or yeah. we were leaving Wolf of the Willows. No, we were le- yeah, leaving we, Boat um, Rocker. It was the trip between Boat Rocker but, uh, and Wolf of the Willows. We drove. We were driving down, and the Lyft driver or the Uber driver is like, "Oh yeah, there've been a lot of planes flying around here. It's because they're cloud seeding." <laughs> and uh, well, and Tony immediately turns around in the thing. He's like, "Yeah, uh huh." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but then for forty-five seconds later, we drive past an airport. Yeah, that's there, my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, there are two yeah. inner-city airports in Melbourne. There is one on the uh, northwestern side. And there is one on the eastern side uh, where we happen to be having beers um, heading towards Wolf of the Willows. We actually passed Moorabbin Airport, uh, which is a really busy private airport for private planes. And that's hilarious. Why are there so many planes down here? They must be cloud seeding. And there's a looking at a fucking airport. In his defense, it was overcast. But as you are well aware, that is just Melbourne weather. We can be overcast and clear up like that. It's got nothing to do with cloud yeah. seeding. Plenty of microclimates floating around there. Yeah. 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 The, uh, yeah. So there were some conspiracies. Did not run into any specific. I'm sure there are some because uh, I did. I did look up the cloud seeding issue in Australia, and there are plenty of people conspiratorial about that. Although I will mention this, Tony. Yes. Uh, I did notice, and maybe you can enlighten me on this. We didn't talk about this when you when we were there. There's clearly, I mean, I think, uh, and I mean this only in the governmental sense. I think that um, from a person-to-person sense, I, I don't know if, I don't believe it was an issue that I saw. Maybe it is an issue. But um, I, 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 there's a situation with Australia and China that you can kind of feel. And I think the cloud seeding part even plays into it because China actually did some cloud seeding. I know we do some here because we have the droughts and stuff in the West. But um, I noticed that too. And I'm like, man, there always was something that there, there are a little bit of Australia that feels like China's more so out to get them. I know we have, there's a lot of people here in the U S that have that feeling 
But I know that Australia is also slightly feels closer to China and because it's one of the closest places. <laughs> it is because so, um, we, yeah. much like the U.S. Um, used to have, but we still have it to some extent. They are one of our leading trading partners. But also, yeah, um, yeah there, there have been government deals made and reneged on and, yeah, spying is a real right. thing that's happened with the Chinese government. Uh, definitely on a governmental point of view, that is a that is a real vibe that you picked up, and that is absolutely correct. On the other hand, yeah. where does it stand with the people? I don't know if if I'm gonna like because these are people that that tend to have a little bit of um, undertones of racism, uh, and they and it may not be just white Australians. I, I think there's there's generally uh, more um, animosity towards Muslim populations and Chinese populations. Sure. But it's probably yes. second between those two as far as, yeah. like, being shit on. Um, but um, really I think the, the Chinese community, because it's so well established specifically in Melbourne, um, I think on a person-to-person basis you don't sort of see that. But on a governmental level that is absolutely 100% correct. Um, that is without mm-hmm. a doubt steers things that have been stoked up within the media as well. Yeah. Yeah. We rode in one cab in Sydney and the uh, driver was, I, I, I don't know, he was Asian yep. heritage of some kind. And I, I didn't know if this was related to it somehow, probably not un, unrelated, but the first thing he tells us, he's like, you have a great president. America has a great <laughs> president. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, dude, thanks. And we love that guy, Brandon. He's, yeah. a, he's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting because maybe it's just people want to say, hey, I, I, I know your people and here's something that I know about your country. I don't know what people are trying to do with, with a comment like that, but I probably do yeah. like shallow shit like that all the time. As a cab driver, you, you get somebody from another country and you probably want to um, just sort of acknowledge yeah, that, I hey, I know something about you. Let, let's bond over this or... That, yeah. that might have been it. I, I also, but at the same time, I'm like, why does he like, why would he give a shit? <laughs> Who gives a shit? Yeah, I don't know, whatever. I think that about you, though, too, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people give a shit because it's a big-ass country that makes, that impacts everybody in the world. That's why. Yeah. Um, that's why people give a shit. So. Oh, I can tell you why I give a shit. It's because it doesn't actually affect me in any real way. It's always, oh. it's kind of like a reality show to me in, in that sense. So um, it's a lot harder to, to, to poke fun at Australian politics on a personal level. Now, there are gr- some good shows that satirise it, um, but yeah. as far as what I can do and, and talk to people about it, it's much easier to talk about the US than it is to talk about Australia. It's true. Uh, and that's maybe uh speaking I, don't know. Of which, I, I think you're right in that it it doesn't uh, affect you directly but i also sometimes get that anxiety i'm like man all these people there's so many people that get affected when the us like blinks yeah, and it's yeah. very terrifying to think about um uh, just speaking of reality shows tony i want to uh, jump real quick before you okay, jump okay what were you going to say did you know who's released an autobiography this week I'll Ooh. give you a hint. Uh, it's not Lauren Bobert. The, the Lauren Bobert's boyfriend. 
um, uh, and, and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes, Marjorie Taylor Greene has released an Hell autobiography. Yeah, and if you search I, please for... Please, God, I hope she got it ghostwritten. Well, I'll... <laughs> Of course she got it ghostwritten. She doesn't have right, a... Okay, I was like, she can't string together a sentence. Yeah. But the interesting thing is there are a lot of one-star reviews from people trolling her um, saying, this book has nothing to do with Magic the Gathering. I want a refund. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get it, yeah. Because <laughs> it's just it funny. MGT on the... the, the uh, Does it just say MTG on the book? Oh, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> It looks like meeting. It looks like how I in, in um makes me think of like uh, how I abbreviate meeting when I'm at work. Do I have to type an email like let's have a meeting? Yep. I'll write MTG. It's, it's, um, it, it's Jesus. Just, this is what happens. How many this pages is, in this book? What do we, what do we think? Oh God, they're almost three hundred pages. Oof. Big type. Big type. Yes, it's got to be massive type. Some they used yeah, to give yeah. you a character count. In oh, there's no Kindle version, so I can't um, can't actually add that. But. Yeah, I, I'll pass on that one. I don't think I can. She just interviewed with Tucker Carlson about it. Uh, he is looking good in this log cabin <laughs> uh, that he does his interviews in. Oh boy. He, I do love the, um, the like, uh, the, the um, I don't want to say they aren't leftists, the liberal, um, the, guy, the liberal reply guys that you can just count on. Yes. That go to, like, every post by these people, like, um, what's the guy's name? Brooklyn Dad Defiant or whatever. It's just like, you, ma'am, are a disgrace. Or whatever. You can always count on those guys. They're the best. Yep. Um, all right. Speaking of reality shows, we have to cover it, Tony. Uh, I I know uh, our our friend Nick, our most our most generous uh, uh, listener, will not be happy about this. But the Chicago Bulls have continued to play basketball. Ooh, I, and I had not watched anything since I've been back until I flipped on the game last night. I said, "Let's get a look at this train wreck." <laughs> uh, and uh, boy, boy, howdy, uh, was it a listless affair! From the Bulls, um, they look like they are dead. It's like watching dead people play basketball. It's very sad uh, to look at. Uh, I could not recommend it. Uh, Zach, Zach, really trying hard to get moved. Yesterday is up at twenty-five minutes, two points, four assists, two rebounds. Or he's our best player. He's the Bulls' best player. Well, um, is he or is Alec what your best player? I didn't realize this, but Kobe White is not his real first name. I mean, he might have had the best game yesterday. He can he was able to score at least. He played the most. He played thirty minutes. Um, <laughs> How about his defense? Excellent, yeah. So the bull. My favorite part of this story, and I don't want to talk about how bad the Bulls were that much. There's not much to say. It just it's like watching zombies walk yep. around the floor. It's they're, they're um, bad, but they're not bad enough to be funny bad. They're bad in the. They're not even bad in the like Pistons or Wizards way, where yep. it's like, look at these guys. This is like a very unserious set of players. Um, these guys are like all stars and stuff. I mean, like oh, Zach Levine and Demar Derozan played in the All Star game, yeah. you know, last year. 
So uh, Vooch is a two or three time All Star. You know, you're just watching these guys just like fall apart. Um, but the at the end, of the, so it's part of that in season tournament. And one of the uh, so I mean, they only played a few games each in this in season tournament, right? So they had to come up with tiebreakers, and the tiebreakers uh, include point differential, which is a little bit strange for professional basketball. But I understand what they had to pick something. Sure, yep. fine. Um, so, uh, at the end of the game, the Celtics start fouling Andre Drummond, who's on the floor because <laughs> they're trying to jack up the point differential and they know yep. he's going to fucking miss his free throws because he's a big clod. Right. Um, so Billy, Billy Donovan is losing his mind. He's getting, he's like looking over at the Celtics cold coach, what's Missoula, Joe Missoula. I think that's his and name. And he's like. Hey, what the fuck? Why are you why are you doing this? You're up by 30. Stop <laughs> it. And he's and he's looking back, he's like, bro, I have to get into the fucking knockout round. I yep. need to make sure my point differential is safe um against whoever, the Knicks or whoever are in my um uh group. And and then Billy's like, Oh shit, oh okay. And I'm like Bitch, you didn't even know. You didn't prep for any of this. You didn't know the rules of this. <laughs> of my God, no. like we, like the coaches don't even know what's going on. It's just a total, like oblivious, like collection of 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 disasters and just sadness. It's just like total. Yep. Um, uh, what's apathy? Yep. I mean, they're they're they just don't care. It's just nothing. Nothing matters anymore. Well, because that's uh, the thing with this. Transition. Only only sixty something more games left. So can't wait. Yeah, I think the coaches now know that they're dead man walking as well. Like Billy Donovan knows his contract's He's not going to be it's renewed. Yeah. Um, no. So, so of course he doesn't give a fuck after the start that they've got off to. Uh, there's nothing that they can do to instantly rescue it. There's not like this one player that will really change this roster. There's no into move a, they can make. No. Um, and that that's why they're in there. It's interesting you talk about points differential um, being used, which I think is an interesting measure. We actually use something similar in Aussie rules. I think we're one of the few countries that do it this way. It's actually we do points differential as a percentage. So it's not a straight points differential. So it's not about teams like um, running up huge scores. If you can play defence as well, as long as you're blowing out margins – Relative to your own scoreline, you can actually build up right. a, a high percentage, right. um, and that's right. that's the that's way we do our tiebreakers here, which is something I prefer rather than a head-to-head record. Personally, the um, it's it's the the crazy thing to think about with the bowls is that uh, usually you'd have a team in this position that just flat out stinks, you know, and uh, you'd say, "All right, well, guess what?" Uh, on the plus side. Uh, we've got uh, some room to uh, take on bad contracts. We can just take yep. bad contracts back, make trades, um, take on some garbage money, uh, let it rot, uh, and then we're going to be flush with cap space next year. Ah, no, this team is capped out, baby. We have a capped out Chicago Bulls. What they can do is trade pieces for draft picks. I mean, that's pretty much what they have to do. They have to figure out a way. To move pieces, move salary off the books. Yep. So that's number one. How do we get Zach and DeRozan off the books? Because then they can start taking on dead money. But um, 
right now they're they're capped out. So they can't do anything until they move one of those big contracts. Yeah. Which is just so funny to think about that this team stinks this bad and has no money for ad salary. It's it's uh it's wild to think about. Yeah, it really is poorly structured one of the And didn't have a draft pick this year. Didn't draft a player. Yep. Like they, I mean they did end up getting a player because they traded for a um second round guy, Julian Phillips. Yep. Um, who looks like he is a potential NBA player, at least, right? Maybe not a good one, but he, he'll play in the league for some reason. Um, but uh, they didn't even get a draft pick this year. This, it's just miserable to think about. It's so bizarre. It's it's wild. I, every time I, I turn my head around on it, I'm like, <laughs> what? What happened? We did what? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be like the Knicks. I mean, this might be how Brian felt about the Knicks in like 2005. Yep. It's like we have we did what for Tim Thomas? What? You know, it's just crazy to think about. Yeah, there there are some moves that are just wild, like Javon Carter. It's just mm-hmm. that was a crazy signing. Um yeah. Javon Carter and um Tory Craig. Tory, Tory Craig, Craig, both of them. You know, yep. they're both these guys. Uh these guys, I mean, they shouldn't be hard to trade with their money. I mean Fun's on the mid-level. I don't know what his tradeability is, though. If you just signed him with – I don't know what that rule is. If you just sign him on the mid-level, um, I don't know if it's that easy to, to yeah. be able to move him. I don't know whether it so is. Car- I think it's pretty much like can you trade – it's Caruso, DeRozan, and Levine. Those are really the only valuable pieces, I think, on the board. What about Vooch? Is there any value in um, trading Vooch? Sure. Maybe. Somebody might want him. I don't know. Is there anybody with like – I mean, could is there a chance that like Denver wants – there's sec- a second Jokic on the team, like a bad Jokic. Probably backup. not. He can pass and she can pass and shoot. Yeah, maybe kind of. <laughs> if one of those contenders gets injured, like in Milwaukee, one of the centers gets injured, or yeah, because it's yeah. What if Robin Lope, if uh, Brooke Lopez gets hurt for a, for a month, maybe that's useful, you know? Yeah, but then are they going to have the money because they are Milwaukee? So. To fit that right. in, they have all what the good they players. They're yeah. paying so, all these good yeah. players. I, right. I get what you're saying. And do I want you're... the 30th pick in the draft? Right. Yeah. Yep. No, I get it now. It's so you, it just at least Zach is young. Yeah. In that somebody who might be kind of still constructing their team might want Zach for something. But my um, issue with that is in that position, how many teams don't have somebody that's comparable, probably for cheaper? Um, yeah, they're going to have to take, like, just like with Vooch, they're going to have to take draft picks that are in, like, 2028. Yep. And that's pretty much what it's going to be. Or, or the other move is to, like, fire sale these guys and suck for four to six years rather than try and turn it around in I think three that, or four. I think that's what you're – I think they're stuck with that. I think you're inevitably about to suck for at least three to four years and probably four to five yeah, this is um, not an OKC situation where it's an almost no. instantaneous rebuild with Shea Gildress Alexander. Although I suppose if you draft get one, one of those assets. Insanely well. Yeah. Yep. They'll have to draft crazy good and get one good asset back. Yep. You know. I feel yeah. for you. Hey, but my Aussie rules team does this from time to time and sucks really badly. Stinky. Really stinky. I mean, and and again. Not even stinky in the Pistons Wizards haha way, just yep. like you know, sad. And um, unlike say San Antonio, where you just see tremendous growth through every loss, um, yeah, don't, not really seeing that with the Bulls. It gets worse. Every loss is worse. It's 
Um, I, I mean, <laughs> they've lost five in a row. I don't know what, I mean, who they, they, they got their, their two extra non-tournament games that they have to play now. They got to play Charlotte and San Antonio. Boy, those will be two barn burners. At least we could see Wemby. Yeah. Yep. Maybe I'll turn, maybe I'll turn that one on on Friday and, uh, next Friday and watch Wemby. That could be something to look at. But yeah. we are, as much as this therapy session was helpful for you, and I'm sure it's been great for your mental health, um, I'm sure we're um, causing Nick Talk to hit the fast forward button, and I think we should perhaps... <laughs> we're already at 1.8 speed or something, so we better hurry up. Yeah, hey, I, I, I do that with all podcasts. That's why my, my drops are so slow, because I'm used to fast forwarding podcasts. I think it's time to get into some... Where did you want to start today in Discord? Because right. we've got the Australian thread or we've got general or we've got beer chat. Where do you want to start? Why don't we go into the beer chat? That's the classic one. I think we can uh, breeze through these here. Um, we, we don't have to cover everything, but we did have, we did have some good posts while we were gone. I, um, let me... Uh, uh, I do want to point out to, um, to PMAC that we did hit up uh, the quarry man's. I hope he did notice that. Uh, had a, a delicious couple of beers there. Uh, quarry man's was probably the best um, Sydney like beer place. I think we went into that was a not brewery. I mean, I think Wildflower is probably the best beer, but quarry man's was great and the food was good. And uh, they were doing the uh, that was where I had my chicken parm. Uh, it was good, good chicken parma. Yep. Uh, with the ham and everything. Now, this I did want to talk about, Tony, that's right below it. All these lists dropped this past couple weeks, uh, maybe it was about two weeks ago, of the craft beer and brewing magazine lists, and all these breweries have been sharing this. Um, And there have been a few things that stood out to me, but I just posted this one. This was best favorite lager brewer uh, was on this one. And, Tony, I think there's some of these that we've talked about, been to, had. Yep. Um... Uh, Beerstadt Lagerhouse being one, uh, they're number one. Number two is Goldfinger. That's a Chicago area brewery. That's amazing. Freem is on here. Highland Park is on here. Suarez, Dovetail, Wayfinder, uh, Heater Allen, uh, Halfway Crooks. You know, these are all breweries we've talked about on the show. But Tony, what blew me away was the number three brewery and the number eleven eleven brewery. <laughs> So number three, Tony, is Samuel Adams. Now, Tony, have you come across these guys before? I have. They don't have a very um, – the CEO is so straight down the middle and so well-balanced as an individual. It's probably why they're on the list. Um, he's not um, completely lost it at any point. Um, they only Jim, put out a very – Jim Cook. Yeah, Jim Cook put out a very small selection of beers. Um, they they don't get into any marketing gimmicks around like the world's strongest beer that travels a million miles to make yeah. or any sort of bullshit the like other, that. The other Cook, yeah, it's yeah. it would be funny if they were brothers, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be? It'd be like a Bayless situation. Um, so, Tony, have you ever had a Boston lager? I have. Probably not, right? Yeah, no, I have. Oh, you have? It's available in Dan Murphy's. Um, I actually, it's not terrible. Like, it's not. No, it's, it's not. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's a, a Vienna lager. But I think, 
Yeah. Number three. There's nothing wrong with no. it. I, I don't, to be clear, I do not think it is a bad beer to drink. I think it's fine. I've had it on airplanes. I've had it in airports, and it tastes great. For that, that, that's right? exactly I mean, for an where it beer. should be. It's a premium Fantastic. airport beer. Perfect. But, is yeah. it better than Freem, who is right below it? You know, no. Freem is number four in Highland Park and, and so on. But is it Wait, better than Yingling? I think it's better, yeah, at so least on a political side of things, as unhinged as well, Mr. Yeah, Fulke sure. Is. Okay, well, <laughs> I would definitely put on, I would put Sam Adams above Yingling. Yingling is number 11. Yingling is above Pilsner or Kell. I know, that now, one whatever shocked you me. Think, whatever you think of Pilsner or Kell, I understand it's made, it's Heineken now, right? Doesn't Heineken own Pilsner or Kell? But the know. quality hasn't suffered. It's still delicious. No, right. So they, they still, I mean... Pilsner Cal famous Czech pills, yep. right? I mean, yeah. classic. I understand that in the U.S. sometimes it's maybe imperfect because we're getting it in green bottles yeah. from Czechia. I mean, <laughs> sure. But you get it on tap, um, and it's fucking delicious. Right, it's great. Um, but the, just the idea of being like, man, I got, uh, you know, all things being equal, I would much ever rather have a Yingling than a Pilsner or Kell or a, listen, uh, go under that, Green Cheek, Great Lakes, Halfway Crooks. And then actually number 20 is one of Max Allotman's favorites from Philadelphia, Human Robot. Um, I mean, just can't imagine it, right? And I know Yingling is Pennsylvania beer too, but this never hits with me. I never, I never understood it. But there is an obsession with that beer, and it comes in at 11 on this list. Uh, really mind blowing. We should go over more of these lists at some point. Yeah. Today's probably not the day, no. but um, these these craft beer and brewing lists um, are very very good uh, to look at. They they give the vibe. They they're giving USA Today. Yep. To sound like one of the one of the teenagers these days, it's giving USA Today. It just it just is. It's weird. Um. Now, PMAC asked an interesting question. This was early on in our trip that I think we should answer here. Uh, now, he asks uh, about my thoughts or our thoughts on costs in Australia of beer and food as whether, or as whether, sorry, as well as whether you think it's value for the money or we are getting bent over. Tony, we talked a little bit about this when, when I was there. Yeah, we did. Uh, I, I think uh, considering the exchange rate right now, uh, and I know that's a factor you can't take into effect um, no. because it's really hard for me to um, comprehend or I, I just can't, right? Because I don't live there. What is the cost of living in Australia based on the value of the Australian dollar? I don't, I don't have that knowledge, right? Yep. Um, but if I compare the, uh, with the value, you know, just pure exchange rate, and remove tips, then remove tax. Uh, I got to say, I did not feel like I was getting bent over. Yeah. Any, uh, certainly no more than I do here. Um, and the comp I'll make is that, you know, if I go to, let, let's let's stick with the, cock, the cocktail bars. I just think that's the easiest example. Yep. I know he has beer and food, but I didn't think beer was crazy. Um, package beer may be kind of crazy, but... Uh, so I uh, I go to this high end cocktail bar, this maybe Sammy place, which is incredible. Number one of the best cocktail bars in the in the world. And the drinks were all these like ethereal, uh, esoteric names, 
about like a place or a thing or a time. And uh, they're very nice and they tasted very good. And they were $26 Australian. So you do the math on that. 26 Australian is probably about what? 18 bucks, right? Exactly. The number uh, I had in mind. Seven, yep. $17 and 26 cents. <laughs> so, and then I don't have to tip after that. And I don't have to pay any tax. It's that's just what it costs. 17 bucks for this really nice cocktail. Uh, 15 years ago at the Violet Hour, the best cocktail bar in Chicago, and at the time, one of the best in the country, a drink was $18. 15 yep. years ago, it was $18, okay? You go to the top floor, of the, the 66th floor of the Resorts World, which is not the best cocktail bar in the world, but it is a nice bar, and it's at the top of the Resorts World, so you get the nice view and everything, and it's Vegas, I get it. It's $22 U.S., and you, you got a tip on top of that shit, too. Yep. All right, so uh, I thought, uh, all things considered, same with beer. Um, you know, you did go to places where there is a beer that was 10 bucks, but a beer, a beer that means it's 6 bucks U.S., yep. you know, and you're not tipping. So I, uh, I thought, in general, we got pretty good value. I didn't feel like I was getting screwed, at least no more so than any other big city in the world. Yeah, I will say the tax situation specifically with alcohol is a little bit tougher. That's where I, I do think we do have a disadvantage. Um, you can talk Your about the straight package, up prices, I think especially, yeah. but I, I do think it is harder for these places to make a profit because they're not always passing on that full whack to the consumers. I think the prices are reasonable for the most part in a lot of these places as you were doing the exchange rate, and that's probably why the Australian dollar is where it's at. But um, the tax on alcohol, um, I understand why it is the way it is. Um, I just don't think it's it's fairly set up and I think the wine industry catches so much of a, a break there and you would have seen that our wine prices were probably a little bit cheaper and I think it really disadvantages the businesses and uh, that is at least a small part of why we've we've – We've got some sort of crunch going on here right. in Australia in the craft beer industry at the moment. And it's not only the craft beer industry. Cocktail bars are, are under the same sort of crunch as well, no matter how well famous they are. I think it's the same, yeah, right, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't really speak on packaged beer other than I paid you for some packaged beer, and uh, I know it wasn't cheap. So that I think you have maybe a right to uh, complain a little bit. Um, because it is it is more expensive. But if you're in say, a bar eat, yeah. eating a sandwich, whatever, I thought it was pretty fine. Yeah, that's where I think they're actually taking a bath because the Australian um, culture is much more a takeaway culture than than sitting in a bar. Right. Um, I think they're actually taking a a bath on the in venue sales, and you, you're getting a pretty reasonable discount at a lot of places, or at least it's comparable to takeaway beer, like. Um, I, I can speak about one Deeds beer that, yes, the package beer is almost dollar for dollar identical to what you had in the venue and you would think in the venue there's always going to be a markup. But once more into the fray, um, in, a, right. in mills, in, in volume, it was almost cent for cent identical because um, it was $28 yeah. for the package true, beer yeah. and, and your half serve of, of that was... Yeah, exactly half the price, if I remember correctly. There you go. Yeah, and then when you do that math, honestly, 28 bucks for a can, you said? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, uh, compared to, yeah, eighteen fifty, it's a four hundred and forty mil can. Yep. Compare that to Bourbon County. Not crazy. No, but then it's you fine. compare it to you know, really not to Deestar, and that's a different kettle of fish. Oh, Deestar, Deestar kills everyone's curve on that shit. I mean, that's the problem. <laughs> is that? Plus, it tastes better than all of them. So that's the other problem, you know. Revolution, revolution destroys the barrel age curve for everybody. I think. Um, so uh, I'll skip ahead actually because um, yep. you had this. These posts where grammar purist um, had been at this new brewery, but I just want to jump ahead um, to where he said, "I'm on a 41 week win streak." Uh, he's he's won trivia 41 weeks in a row. Jesus Christ! At this brewery. Incredible. How dumb are these people? You've got to have an off week. He's, he's, he's just destroying the people of, I think, Western Missouri are just getting absolutely murdered at trivia by grammar purists. So shout out to that. Um, if you guys haven't, go into the beer chat and look at the picture of Tony through the glass. It's very funny. <laughs> um, uh, we did find out from Nick. Uh, actually, I this is just after I had had my very first Dayton's beer, which was the apple brandy barley wine. That um, Dayton's has entered voluntary administration, much like Bad Shepherd did. Uh, Bad Shepherd was able to turn it around. We'll hope that Dayton is able to do it too. Um, but I did find that apple brandy barley wine quite delish, delicious. And then, of course, you guys will have to read it. You'll have to get on the Discord. You'll have to send me a note. Um, if you want to get on the Discord, you have to read Nick's discussion with the GM at Dayton on Facebook. It is really, really funny and really, really good. Nick made a lot of great points. I thought it was really good. Um, and I sort of feel the same way he does, that there's um, – you, you have to produce uh, – you, you really – you have to produce quality and you have to manage scale. Yep, and I think um, he sort of makes that point um, that uh, these these things kind of have to work together. Produce quality, manage scale, manage your overhead, and uh, I think Dayton. You know, you can understand that they maybe grew a little quicker than they were able to uh, handle, which which I understand. But uh, yep. I I I thought that I think I think it's very good. You should read. Make sure you read that. It's quite good. Um. And uh, I'm just trying to hunt through this stuff. Oh, let's jump down to Max Allotment, drinking some Don Australian beer. He got some Treehouse. Now, shout out to that. Hell yeah. Yep. Silver Fern from Treehouse, maxed out Southern Hemi Hops, Waimea, Otuika, Peacherine. I'm, I'm sure I've had that, but I don't know what that means. Um, did not <laughs> did not get his cat pee notes, his classic cat pee <laughs> Uh, with the uh, treehouse, any um, body, uh, juicy peach, white grape, soft but lingering grapefruit finish. I'm sure this was amazing. You gotta love some treehouse. Uh, thank you uh, to Max for that. Uh, Cascade Dank. He's he's got his uh, he's got his uh, AI shit going here because he's posted a couple of these, but this was good. So um, this was on Reddit. He found this the Snickers barley wine. Now this is clearly uh, an, a uh, this is a fucking mid journey thing, right? You can yeah. see the text there is all fucked up. But I I would I mean not only would I drink a Snickers barley wine, I probably have. Yeah, you and probably it just wasn't have. branded. Right? Yeah. I would guess almost I would bet almost anything that I've had a barley wine with fucking 
peanuts and shit in it. I don't know. I don't know. What uh, I'm thinking is for the ultimate barley wine, you are familiar with the Aussie Mars bar, which is slightly different yeah. to the American one. Um, but I'm thinking uh, Mars Pods barley wine. Pods, of course. Oh, being yeah, I like those Mars pods. Yeah, a little bit more biscuity they in paired, their in their note. They paired nicely with some barley wine, to be honest. <laughs> they, they really did. That was pretty good, right? Yeah. Anybody that's not familiar, um, check out Mars Pods on on the internet. Uh, they're delicious. You can get a Snickers version too, which I also like. Yeah, we we've been eating some candy, um, which is exactly what I needed to do once I got home. Was eat a bunch of candy. I can't but, wait to um, hear the, we did uh, eat the crunchy violet. We did tear through the. I did enjoy the Violet Crumble. I got to be honest with you. I Ooh. liked it. Um, there you go. It, it, um, I, I like the very blended honeycomb. Uh, it was it was pretty good. But um, this is interesting from Grammar Purist. I, I, I wonder what you think of these uh, beer cocktails, uh, Tony. This was a uh, – he posted this from his local brewery, uh, War Admiral – Kahlua and butterscotch schnapps with French vanilla cappuccino rim. Now, when we were at MAFCO, uh, one of the uh, bartenders there was Darcy? lamenting his inability to find a way to use toasted marshmallow syrup. Yep. And it feels like this drink right here might have a chance. I'm guessing War Admiral is a stout, maybe a yeah. maybe a like one of those 6% American stout type things. Throwing some Kahlua butterscotch schnapps. Maybe you maybe you pull out the butterscotch schnapps for a little toasted marshmallow syrup, uh, and maybe supplement it with like I don't know some bitters or something. I don't know, find something <laughs> that's not totally sweet. Yep. And the French vanilla cappuccino rim. I mean, I don't know, Tony. This could be pretty sweet and sugary. It it could well be. That's something that we actually did quite a lot of at the beer festival. Is the um, beer cocktails. Is um, um. He had a um, couple with the sour, and he did one with the stout, which all turned out to be quite popular. So, hey, we, we I think we're on the way to cramming in that marshmallow into a, a beer pretty damn soon. I'll, I'll speak to Darth about this. Yep, but we got to find a way. Um, hey, just, just drop a splash into one of the Bilsons. You know, so maybe you'll get something out of that. Um. And then lastly, finally, let's keep winding down here. Nick Torque at his local pub. I only want to point this out because they had the Fox Friday Weldworks collab on there, which we were going to go to on our last day, but ended up at Beer Mash because it was just not so far away and we hadn't yeah. checked it out yet. And I think we made the right choice, but um, I think hopefully so. that was tasty. Um, and uh, and I did want to thank PMAC for his kind words. I appreciate that. Sorry that he could not hang out with us. But um, uh, he was <laughs> running like a 50K trail run or something in okay. an insane time. So I totally understand how that is an impossible uh, thing to do. So thanks to PMAC. Uh, maybe next time around, uh, or maybe we'll catch you at a TyCon, uh, Beer Engine PodCon, slash Beer Engine PodCon USA 2024. Hey, we're the lead on this, dude. Don't let that other podcast fucking take the lead. We're the Beer Engine Pod slash Tycon. And then today, Mountain Culture posted about their recent collaboration with Firestone Walker, which I just wanted to brag that I had <laughs> about three weeks ago or so at the Firestone Walker Propagator in Venice Beach. Uh, the tri- the Bubbling Billies 
which is an excellent beer. So if you if you run into that, much like you did with the Sierra Nevada collab, highly, yeah. highly recommend. Very tasty. Nice yeah. can art, too, on that. So. Hey, you want to talk about a, chat. a classic pale ale. If uh, Mountain Culture don't continue to make that pale ale, I will be shattered that they uh, did a, with collab with delish, um, very good, Sierra very Nevada. Good yeah, just so tasty. Um. With that said, uh, why don't we jump into? We'll do the. We, I mean, we everybody's seen the Australia stuff. We we know what we had there. Yep. Um, why don't we jump over to the the mail keg? We actually have a mail keg question today. <laughs> this is from Corey. How are you preparing for the full beaver moon? Um, now this is the first full moon after Thanksgiving. I think. Uh, this might have been uh, the other day. Um, so this is the Gemini full moon, the beaver moon. I'll be, uh, let's see what, uh, have I, okay, so let me just read this. This is from Elite Daily. I, I just, this is all those, the language that I can't really read, you know. Uh, have you noticed a major surge in your spontaneous decision making? With the sun shifting into mutable fire signs Sagittarius on November 22, repetitive routines and boring tasks have taken a back seat in order to make room for your spur-of-the-moment adventures. This isn't to say you'll be blowing off all your responsibilities. Experiences that encourage personal growth and enlightenment will seem more appealing. In fact, as the Gemini full moon, a.k.a. the beaver moon, approaches, you'll be feeling bold enough to ask all the intrusive questions you've been suppressing. So... Uh, Tony, when we, when we talk about the, Tony, what, what sign, what's your Zodiac sign? I'm Pisces. Tony's a Pisces. So let's, uh, let's see where that is. Uh, there it is. So you're focusing on home and family matters in the domestic world, Tony. Do you feel like that's probably what you're going to be doing over the next little bit here? I don't know how you can live life without focusing on that stuff. Like say something that yeah, general. That's such a cop out, isn't it? Right? Yeah. It's a- Are you going to just abandon your home life and just go off and and gallivant around the country? Nobody does that shit. And even when they do, they yeah. probably they'll find a way to think about home. Come on. Mine says sort of the same thing. It says my current friendships and communities will be my main concern. Oh, there you and go. It's almost You're not the being same. an asshole. Well. That's what you think, but um, uh, that's true. My, you know what? My number one concern is our Discord community. Yep. That's all I'm thinking about, Corey. This Beaver Moon is um, me and my Beaver Moon are thinking nothing about but about this uh, Discord I... community, which of course you can join. By well, the way, if you uh, click on the link at the bottom of our website, that looks like a video game or a submarine controller. By the way, so why don't you do that and join us here? Old school reference. Sorry, go ahead, Tony. Um, I just want to say the question was, how are we preparing for the Beaver Moon? I tell you how I was preparing. I was in and out of that sweet well that you've all seen photos of by now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, with with lots of like retro porn. Well, actually, I was taking some <laughs> of it out and and selling it because I knew it would be popular in the lead up to the full beaver moon. It was true. He was, um, I found him down there in the well in, uh, near Katoomba. He was, he was, he was looking, he was, he was, his eyes were locked in on that 
tube TV. Yep. Did you think it was going to be well. that nice though? You've seen the interior now. Looks swanky. Looked nice in there. I got to say the carpet, the shag carpeting was really a special add, although my socks kept getting stuck to it. So it's kind of weird. Didn't enjoy that too much. <laughs> That's why you go barefoot. Um, Just oh like you do on an airplane. Uh, an airplane. Yeah. In the airplane bathroom. Uh, last thing in the kitchen, I wanted to shout out to Corey's fried turkeys. He did it in a safe way where he did not blow up his house. Um, two 12 pound turkeys. They look great. I've never had deep fried turkey, but I would be okay to try it because I've, I, it would, I would love to have a turkey that I really like. Yeah. It would be wonderful. Um, and and that this would be is something that'd be really cool. This is go, goes back to our discussion about, um, turkeys. It's not that they taste horrendous. It's just that they're so fucking hard to prepare for the small amount of reward you get. But if I'm going to do it, that's probably the way you're going to do it. You're going to deep fry that sucker so everything cooks at basically the same speed and doesn't spend hours drying out in a dry-ass oven. I mean, I'm lazy as hell. I'll just buy the, the Popeye's version of it. probably be worse, but it does sound good. Hey, but who, um, who really cares about the turkey when you've got the stuffing? I think we had this discussion while we were in a... Australia, when you were in Australia, sorry. Um, stuffing is where it's at. Yeah, I want the Italian beef stuffing. Somebody sent yep. me a recipe for Italian beef stuffing, and I would love to get my hands on that. Um, good stuff. Like I said, join our Discord. Click on the uh, video game controller at the bottom of our website or send us a note on Instagram, which is at Beer Engine Pod, or uh, uh, send us an email, beerengineshow at gmail.com. We'll get you in here. Look at all the great chat. Look at Nick Torque's... Uh, Great posts, and um, actually look at Max Allotman's cheesesteak that he posted, which yeah. looked incredible. So it does. I was just uh, at I, now I have to go to the middle of New Jersey and eat this cheesesteak, which looked remarkable. Thank you, Max. Of uh, course you Tony, did. Tony, why don't we move to, on? To try the Mefco cheesesteak as well while you were there. I did. It was good. Uh, why don't we move on to Lager of the Week? Okay, let's do that. Lager of the week. Chris, Lager of the week. So, Tony, I'm actually going to save my um, Australian beers, best beers, for sort of a bigger blowout. I'm going to I'm going to focus on the loggers I've had this week. I know, um, but I, I want uh, I want to get Kelly on so she can talk about some of the great loggers that she drank. Um, I, and I will I'll, I will spoil it by saying you can find out what my logger of the week from Australia was pretty easily by going on the Discord um, and looking at when I was in Katoomba. And you'll quickly find out what my favorite logger was of the week. It was uh, extremely good and from Mountain Culture. But, uh, Tony, I got down on the ground in uh, L.A. We weren't feeling too jet lagged, but we were quite hungry. Uh, and we were staying... Yet again, right next to the uh, Firestone Walker uh, there in Venice. And I had a fantastic uh, Czech Pills there. That was just a, a brewery, um, a, a brewery only, uh, or sorry, a brew pub only uh, Czech Pills. Straight up Czech Pills, like a 10 degree Play-Doh type Czech Pills. That absolutely destroyed. Uh, it was it was crazy good, um, and that that had to be my 
that had to be my lager of the week. I'm trying to dig up the name of it here. It, it was called 12 Degrees of Pale Lager. Sorry, it was a 12-degree um, Play-Doh. Uh, floor malted Bohemian Pilsner Malt and Czech Saws. And that was it. Sounds Didn't delicious. get any better than that. Uh, so great, great beer to have when you land off a plane. Yep. Mine is one that we had in Australia. Uh, Speed Racer 10 Day Italian Pilsner. I said that in an odd phrase. That was great. Yeah. Uh, Speed, yeah. Ra- Ra- Speed Racer 10-Day Italian Pilsner. Um, really, really delicious. Great can art. Um, that was a delicious beer. We had that at um, at uh, uh, Milkhead. Is that yes. what that place was called? Yep, Milkhead. Yeah, that was good. That was a delicious Italian pills. Um, yeah, that was up there in the, in the best... Uh, Best beers. I'm, I'm actually looking back through my Untapped now, and uh, we're gonna have a lot of great beers to talk about next week on our um, on our rundown of all the Australian beers. So it's gonna be it's gonna get heavy on that. So get ready for a lot of uh, a lot of loggers of the week to be brought up and beers of the week. Um, all right. Well, let's do the beer of the week then, Tony. Let me jump in here. I okay. actually, it is a, this is a beer from Australia, but I didn't drink it last week. I drank it this week. Ooh! Because on Sunday I did take my Sunday uh, standard trip to the Silver Stamp. Of course, I always bring a couple of treats there, and I brought this, uh, the Framboise by Boat Rocker, uh, and brought that down to the Silver Stamp to share with our friends Andrew and Rose, uh, the owners of the Silver Stamp. And uh, uh, as well as Jake and Natalie, who were working that day, two great uh, beer tenders there. And we cracked this bad boy open. Absolutely wonderful. This might have been the highlight of all the boat rockers uh, so far. I haven't opened the Jaffa Jet or the Ram Jets yet. But crazy good. 18-month aged Fodor Ale um, packed with 250 grams per liter of whole raspberries and boysenberries. Wonderful. I mean... Pretty pretty tart, but not um, not pointedly tart in that no. like uncomfortable heartburny way. Uh, really pleasant to drink. Um, finishes nice and dry. A killer, excellent stuff from Boat Rocker. That's uh, for, it's crazy. We haven't opened the La Seren yet. That'll be next week. Yep, that we brought home. But uh, and La Seren, I think, is still probably the it was it was the most. It was probably still my favorite one sours of the trip, but um. This one was crazy good. Like uh, it, it's interesting with yeah. Boat Rocker, they're really producing some great stuff out of that wood. So I, uh, I would highly recommend anyone who's into barrel aged beer, both sour and clean, to spend some time at this place. They were really kicking it. Tony, how about you? Well, there, there are a few that I could pick out, but I'm actually going to pick out one that I mentioned earlier because it was such a revelation for the price. Um, Comes in at fourteen point eight percent alcohol. Uh, oh God! <laughs> you um, yeah. actually brought over the cartoonishly large can of it. I know it comes in a twelve ounce can, but that can was crazy. 
uh, Easter 2023 um, by Revolution yeah. Brewing Company. Just like bang for your buck, like just well-made fucking beer. So it's just absolutely crazy. Um, there were some like more complex beers. There were some more uh, beers that are probably unforgettable, but that one is up there for me. Um, not to discount the side project stuff that we had that was absolutely fucking phenomenal. Hey. But like you want to talk about a beer that I've heard a lot about, lived up to the hype, exceeded the hype and managed to do that at a price that is shocking. Um, that's, that's the beer that's done it. Tony, this is going to, this is going to piss both of us off, but I already know the answer to this. Um, here's the fact about D star. Uh, the side project beer we drank was wonderful. We drank yes. continuance, uh, 2021, the, the, the wine and cheese project version. Amazing. Uh, then we, we drank a D star uh, a few days later at Mafco. We shared it with Jimmy and, and some of the kitchen crew and, and everybody is amazing. Uh, but Tony, I can get a case of that size can. I could get 12 of that can for the price of the bottle, the side project bottle. And and that side project bottle, it was a reasonable amount of money you spent. It wasn't. It was not crazy for, yeah. for, a, for a hard to find bottle that they only made like a hundred bottles of or something. Yeah. That got fucking shipped all over the world, presumably like Singapore or Japan or something before it got to Australia. Yes. Um, uh, it wasn't crazy, but I can buy a 12 pack <laughs> of 20 ounce cans of D star for that. And that's the problem here, right? With D star is that it probably does for you. 90% of what a BBT does. You had BBT Tony, right? Yeah, yep. D Star probably covers ninety percent of that ground, right? BBT is, I think, definitively better. Yes, yep. than D Star, but is it twelve times better? I don't. I would <laughs> say probably not. You know, no. Um, so that's what's crazy about D Star. It's right now it's twelve ninety nine for one one of those big ass cans. <laughs> um, US twelve ninety nine US. Yep. And you can buy a four pack of twelve ounce cans, so forty eight ounces of it for twenty five dollars and ninety nine cents at Binnie's. Um, so just just an unfair. They're they're working on unfair. They're working at an unfair advantage or something. Yeah. Like there's, uh, they the fact is they could charge another ten dollars, right? Just throw ten dollars into both of those. You know, yep. maybe maybe another five for the big can. And ten onto the onto the um, four pack, but yeah, D Star is an unfair beer, and I think you were very lucky, Tony. I think this year's that twenty twenty three is the primo batch. I think we have. I think D Star has reached pinnacle right now. Yep. It's, um, and we'll cover some more stouts a little later that maybe I don't feel are delivering <laughs> at the level of D Star, but I haven't tried them yet, so we'll we'll have to we'll find out. We'll talk about that, but that's great. Good stuff, Tony. Uh, why don't we move on to one of our classic bits that we haven't gotten to do for a little bit? It's hyper beer nerd dork shit news. Hyper beer nerd dork shit news. Tony, this story like baffled me, but I've seen a lot of it. I got to be honest. Yep. Um, 
This is by this. This is from Good Beer Hunting, but I've seen this in other places. Oh, it's taking so long to load, Tony. <laughs> well, ah. well, while you're loading up, I can tell you this story has been updated at least twice. Um, so um, there is so, news coming. I'll give out. you the gist of it. Yep. Um, Kate Bernat wrote this story for Good Beer Hunting, but I've seen it in other places. Um, this is about this company called Bevana, and Bevana. To summarize what they do um, loosely, or what they claimed to do, was that they made it easy for small breweries to scale. So they helped with recipe production. They helped with like scaling up with contract brewers. They helped with sales and distribution, the type of stuff that it's maybe hard for a small business to do. Hey, think of Mafco, right? Yep. What if somebody came by Mafco and said, hey, uh, I like this pale ale. Do you want to make more of it? And also, do you want to sell a lot of it uh, through the whole country? Uh, you might be like, yeah, it'd be awesome if I could just sell a lot of my beer to a lot of different people. That sounds easy. Yeah, you it know? does. And that's supposedly what this company did. And the problem, and if you're ans- asking yourself, well, what does that mean? What do they actually do? Good question. They didn't seem to know either. Uh, <laughs> that was part of the problem, it seemed like, with Bevana is that they viewed themselves as some kind of like accelerator maybe uh, for, for these craft brands, but it essentially meant they didn't do anything. So they could do some stuff like, Oh, we can manage e-commerce or, Oh, we can do like contract brewing or, Oh, we can do sales and distribution. But when you have this wide variety of a menu of options, you don't do the cheesecake well. factory. Yes. You don't do any of it. You yep. either don't do any of it well, or you don't do any of it at all. <laughs> In this case, um, essentially, it's like going to the Cheesecake Factory, asking for factory buffalo blasters, and then they say, no. Yeah. We don't have the. Actually, we don't make those. We I know we said we did, but we yeah, don't make those anymore. We put in your order, and we uh, charged you for it, but sorry, we're out. Can't do a refund now. Mm. Too late in the night. Come back tomorrow. So this company has, I believe, gone bankrupt and is getting sued many times over is basically the gist of this very long story. Um, they, uh, and they've screwed over, I mean, I would guess quite a number of, of brewers. And, um, you know, the challenge is that they just become, uh, I think this, this fellow here, uh, this um, uh, portfolio manager that got interviewed um, describes it best as them just, Bivana would just be a fourth tier in a three tier system. Yes. Yep. So right now, U.S. has a three-tier system, right, Tony? We have the you have the brewer, and you have the distributor, and you have the vendor, right? Yes. And um, where does Bivana fit in there? It's just another middleman. You're already dealing with a middleman, the, and there is essentially another- what they're becoming is the salesperson. There may be a contract at the at best in their best model. Maybe they're a salesperson to the salesperson. They can yeah. go and make sure your beer is merchandised and getting presented correctly to the distributors in a far off place, place maybe where you aren't going. Right. Yep. Um, at worst, they're just leeches, right? Yep. They're just another middleman leech that really doesn't do much for you at all. On TikTok the other day, I was watching, it wasn't even in Australia. It was in um, Ireland or, or the UK. And it was a, parliamentary hearing into these companies that were putting in for government tenders and once they got the government tenders 
would just subcontract them out to other businesses. They actually yep. serve. I mean, that's the U.S. in a that's that's the U.S. bureaucracy in a nutshell, baby. Yeah, and what you're doing is creating bureaucracy in the private sector by doing this. You're creating right. another layer that is just there for that fourth layer to make money. I think you're being generous in that idea of a salesperson to a salesperson. I I, I think this was a company that wouldn't have even done that by the sounds of it reading through the article. I really think it was about offering services that were either offered at other ends of the business and they were just taking their margin in between and that's why right. they ran, ran into yeah. trouble. I mean, the, the amount of middlemen in the U.S. in general is just crazy, right? I mean, I, we talked about this, but I, I'm aware of a company, as I wink into the microphone, that um, <laughs> uh, essentially, you know, the, the defense... Uh, contractors and stuff have to be certified for a certain level of security, right? Yep. But the Defense Department doesn't certify that. They pay some other company <laughs> to do that validation for them and essentially get paid by both the company that wants to sell the thing to the Defense Department of Defense, for example, and the Department of Defense. Yep. Uh, who wants to buy the thing, right? So they're essentially you're essentially reaching your hand out on both ends. In these crazy bureaucratic shit like this, and uh, hey, it pay, pays pretty good, huh? <laughs> um, moving on. Uh, this, hey, you know, I love a list, Tony. You know, I could not let our week back go without a fucking stupid list. We both love um, lists. This isn't just a you issue. This is a me this, issue too. So it might be up there in one of the dumber <laughs> lists I've ever seen because so many of the numbers are so close or the same. Um, this is. And, and it's so arbitrary. Yes. Uh, yep. This is from AmericanCraftBeer.com. I love this website. It looks like it's from 19, <laughs> from like 2002. You remember the website from, um, ever read ESPN.com like 15, 20 years ago when they had page two? Sure did. It was like a yellow fucking screen and Bill Simmons was on it. This yes. looks like, it looked like this. It had this big framing like this. It was very bizarre. Anyways, this is the 25 most popular beers in the U.S. YouGov, a global opinion and data analytics company, has tackled an important question. I, I already uh, don't agree. What is the most popular beer in America? And what it did was it aggregated likability ratings of a range of popular beers. Uh, they were calculated by using the overall number of respondents who rated their quote-unquote feelings, and they do put quotes around it, feelings <laughs> towards particular beers as quote-unquote positive. They were then matched with the other entries on the list to come up with the final scores. Hardly scientific, and yes, borderline clickbait. Yet again, we question the borderline there. <laughs> but uh, here you go. This is from the YouGov Research, 2020, November 2023. So, gang, this is the freshest news list you've ever heard. And the 25 most popular beers in the U.S., I'm not going to read them all, but number one, Tony, you wouldn't believe it, the number one most popular beer in the U.S. is Guinness. <laughs> See, I would have thought... And number two... Yeah. I would have thought it was uh, Negra Modelo. Or Modelo. Sorry, Tony, that Modelo, Modelo is only the best-selling beer. Oh, now what is pop? Now really, you have to wonder what does popularity mean. So this is where mean I'm a lot confused. of people buy you. Does it mean a lot of people like you? Does it mean a lot of people? 
you know, I mean, these are questions that you would ask someone like who's very popular. Um, Paul Rudd. You know, yep. everybody seems to like Paul Rudd. You know, what does that mean? Does that mean? But does everybody go to Paul Rudd movies? Yes. You know, there's that. You know, oh yeah, they do. That's right. Um, okay, so <laughs> is he the? It, Maybe that does even out the most popular <laughs> actor. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've, uh, I've, but Guinness is number one in this and the number three lager brewery in the country, Samuel Adams does happen to be number two. I just wanted to point that out. I, I find it really weird that some of these are, are broken into beers and some of these are just breweries. Maybe it's the way they've. Yeah, I was baffled by that. Yeah. Um, there is no beer called Miller. I mean, in the U S you can't buy a beer called Miller because they have Miller at number 13. And then they have MGD at number 16 and, and Miller High, High Life, Life at number 17. Yeah. And Miller, is Miller Light on here? Yeah, 22. Yes, Miller Light is 22. So those are the three core brands of Miller. Yep. Miller is just number 13 and Coors is number 12. I mean, they literally have the same rating. Um, but Coors Light very, yeah, has right, a Tony, higher. That's very strange. Has a higher point. Um, must have, yeah, 41.101. One, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's no uh, such beer as Samuel Adams either. It's, um, I mean, you don't get the only, okay, the only American beer in the top. I mean, okay. So Blue Moon and Sam Adams are in the top five. They're two and five. Blue I mean, Moon. Otherwise, it's all international <laughs> beer, right? Guinness, Heineken, Corona. Corona Extra is number six. Dos Equis is number seven. Corona Lights, number eight. Stella's number nine. And Michelob Ultra is number 10. Yep. So there's three American-made beers in the top 10. Um, I know these doesn't mean American beers, so I don't want to go on a jingoistic rant here. So it's just the most popular. I get it. Yeah, but we're talking uh, but about I will point the general out population. That, yeah, I get, yeah, and that's what's interesting about it, right? I mean, it's they, people just must have a very favorable feeling towards Guinness, which, I mean, sure, I, I think that's fine. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just find this really weird of what their criteria of, of breweries were and and how this was all it's set just out. Bizarre, and, dude. and then, like, what is favorability? What sorry? What what positive and feelings? Like, I, I just don't get it. I I don't know how anybody can have feelings towards um, certain certain beers on these lists, like. There are certain beers that I have disdain for because of the um, political machinations, number 24 being a good example of them. But sure, Yingling, most yeah. of this uh, list is just like, yeah, you walk into a bottle shop in St Kilda, you're going to have 25 of the 25 beers there. I, I think pretty much all of these beers, I mean, I walked into the bottle shop in Katoomba, we walked into Dan Murphy's Yep. as I just wanted to go play around. I was trying to kill time before Mountain Culture opened, to be honest. And I was just exhausted. I fucking <laughs> climbed like 9,000 stairs, I swear to God. Um, and all these beers were there, right? Uh, including Sam Adams. Yep. Uh, I, I Actually, you know what? I'm not sure I saw Fat Tire in there, but I'm sure it's in the country. It's in the country, um, but maybe not in Dan Murphy's. I, maybe. Saw, I saw Sierra Nevada, and that's not on this list, but I did see Sierra Nevada. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all these beers are there. Um, yeah, you know that little bottle shop we went to? Corona sounds very funny to me, but yeah. In Ackland Street in St. Kilda. That we yep. picked up the minus one ninety sixes. Don't get the yeah, yeah, high yeah. alcohol yep, versions nice of those. Yep. Um, they would have had that entire list. I can guarantee they had fat tire in those fridges. They had Dos Equis sure. and Absolutely. yeah, they had everything. Uh, 
Yeah, so there you go. That's the if you're wondering what the most popular beer in the U.S. is, it's Guinness, and it's actually by a wide margin compared to the rest of those lists. Guinness has a four point percentage point lead on Sam Adams. So, um, Tony, you know what? I as I think about this, you know, this is going to be an untrapped. Okay, uh, but it is kind of a news the game situation here. So if you want to, if you have the news the game sound, we could probably hit news the game. And untrapped if we want, if you want to go double sounds on this. Okay, I'll, I'll play um, Jimmy's favourite cartoon character. He was, he was profiled on Mefco's page this week uh, and his favourite character is featured in this song and I will try and find news the game while this is playing. Inside, InsideHook.com. I was feeling lazy, of course, today, but I was gifted the fact that Bourbon County Stout came out while I was away, Tony. I have not put in, uh, I have not wrapped my lips around a Bourbon County yet this year, Tony. Uh, probably will tomorrow. There's still a couple on draft, actually, over at Corey's. So I think I'll at least probably try the original tomorrow. I think you've got to um, do that. I do. I think I owe it to my heritage to at least taste it. Uh, I am going to be buying less of it. I don't want, my ass does not want an allotment of this. I just, after, especially after drinking D star in Australia, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? I know. It should cost $200 (laughs) to buy all these bottles. It's it's, so stupid. And I'm sorry, as much as Bourbon County, like it shook me to the core when I first had it um, 12 years ago or whatever that was. Um, everybody, everybody got it that way, right? Yep. The first time they ever had it. And that's just the case. Me too. But I'm sorry, it's no fucking Death Star. Forget about the right, price. It's, it's inferior. But um, so these guys ranked them. Uh, Bonnie Sternberg, Stern, Sternberg was the music editor at Paste Magazine for seven years. Paste Magazine's a good magazine. It actually does some yeah. good stuff too. Uh, she wrote about music and pop culture for Rolling Stone, Glamour, Billboard, Vice, and more. So this is an accomplished writer. I don't know what she knows about uh, beer, but presumably something, I would guess, uh, since she's reviewing this. So I'm going to take her at her word that uh, she has a reasonable ranking for this. She's definitely a experienced uh, writer. Um, uh, and honestly, I don't know who to trust with this shit, so she's as good as anybody. Um so they got together 10 Inside Hook staffers. I'll be honest, I do not know what Inside Hook is. Uh, uh, this lady has written for a lot of different places, so it's clearly good. They, they're getting some decent freelancers, at least, or good writers. I'm a music editor at a magazine or whatever. So Yeah, um, just looks like a website magazine, if you know what I mean. So magazines yeah. are dead. But these so they websites. got 10 staffers together to yep. taste these and rank them. 
Tony, we'll go through the rankings. You're going to have to guess the untapped ratings. You know these rankings are arbitrary compared to the untapped ratings. It's just the facts. Okay, but so I can look at this news we'll article see. then. I... You can, there are no ratings on this news article. You can look okay. at the news article. You don't have to. There's nothing about the untapped rating on here. It doesn't matter. I'm going to read out. I'm going to tell you what they're ranked, and then you can guess the rating. Yep. First one we're going to do is the number six one. They ranked this one number six. It's the flagship. Usually my favorite every year. Yeah. Uh, Goose Island Bourbon County Stout Original. It comes in at either 14.1 or 14.6. Doesn't matter. Uh, they usually have a barrel mix. Sometimes you get these like mixed up uh, alcohols. Uh, it was aged for at least a year in bourbon barrels from Staples, Buffalo Trace, Heaven Hill, Wild Turkey, and Four Roses. Tasters had a harder time than usual picking up on the barrel flavor here. Oh, that's a shame. Even though they did single out hints of chocolate, coffee, cherry, vanilla, almond, caramel, and even sourdough. It has a nice finish, they pointed out. As always, it's incredibly complex, designed to get better with age. But this year's other variants made more of an impression. So let's look up. Uh, do I have to pick a variant here? Uh, uh, yes. So I have to pick the 14.1 or the 14.6. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go the 14.1. I think the 14.1 will be the one that you're more likely to find. Okay. Based on let, now, me, let me check the count of ratings and and confirm. Yeah. Yes. Well, you're, you're way that. more likely to find the 14.1. Okay. Um. So we'll do the 14.1. Description. It, it just like they said. Buffalo Trace, Heaven Hill, Four Roses, Wild Turkey, barrel age for an average of 12 months, and that's uh, it's 14.1 percent, obviously. Has four thousand one hundred and ninety-two ratings already, Tony. Not surprising, really, considering um, the um, the sheer hype that surrounds this beer. I just want to point out one thing, and I don't know whether you agree or not. I don't know whether this beer is designed to get better by age. I think this is goes back to a time where everybody thought big stouts should be aged, especially non-adjunct stouts should be um, adjunct for a good period of time. I would argue that it is it is designed to drink now. It is it has potential to get better with age. Maybe that's how I would position a beer like this. There's no adjuncts in it, so I would say yes. This could this could be more interesting in a year, and maybe just worth revisiting in a year as something that might have evolved in some way. But do I think it was designed to improve with age? I'm skeptical of that. Whenever anyone says it, these brewers are tasting it and saying, this is the blend I like now. I don't know if they have the foresight to understand what could happen. I, um, I, I just don't believe it. Tony, I'm going to give you a benchmark because uh, we looked at this when we checked it in, so this isn't new information to you. Uh, as you know, I think D-Star 2023 has way less ratings, actually only about 1,000, uh, but it has a 4.42. Yeah, so I'm going to give way. you that as just a... Something to save in our heads as we get angry about this. So. <laughs> Tony, that is the first one of six. Urban County branched out 2023, 14.1%. Now, I need to get my head around this. Even with that marker that you put out there, I think this is going to score slightly higher, and I don't think it deserves it. So let me score it 4. Oh, 4.8. I don't want to go that high. I think that's ridiculous. But I'm going there. You're sticking with it. Yeah. Uh, Tony, 
you actually just barely clear the safety mark. You're a tenth off. Four point three eight. Okay. Four point three eight for the twenty twenty three. Actually, comes in a little under D star. I think. Yeah. I think that is Fair. reasonable. And uh, I think, but I also think it's a reasonable enough rating that I will want to try it. I think four point three eight makes me think. That's probably good. I know, I know BCBS gets overrated, but I think that's probably going to be a pretty good barrel-aged stout. Yep. For what it is. Perfect. Next up. Um, and yep. even though they've rated it lowest, you and I would probably still put it fairly high on the list, I'm guessing. And we don't know how these – I mean, we'll see how the ratings actually work out, right? Yeah. Let's see if – let's see if – you know, we can, we can keep track of that on the side here. How does, the, how does Untapped think, you know? I'm guessing probably the same. They love adjuncts over there. So next up is the, this is ranked number five, the Goose Island Bourbon County Bananas Foster Stout. Now I already know this could be my least favorite. Um, <laughs> I like bananas, but I, I do feel, I, I like it better than, than Kelly probably will. Um, but I feel like this could be an unpleasant taste to me, but uh, this one's 13.9. Uh, this uses the same recipe as the 2017 uh, proprietor's Stout, which was also inspired by Bananas Foster. It's brewed with banana, three different types of almonds. I, I'll be, I'm going to be fucking straight up with you. I don't know how many types of almonds there are. but that, This is what I was going to say. This is like a marketing point that um, the Bud team have hit on, or the AB team have hit on. Um, that's fucking ridiculous. They, they ordered however many tons of almonds, and they just happened to get three fucking varieties in that that tonnage yeah. that they ordered. So therefore I mean, they put that, it on the what's that almond what's that almond they put on cheese plates? I think that shit almonds. tastes awesome. This, <laughs> no, but there's like the Spanish like the skinned one. But that's like seasoned in a way. That does not have a fucking different Yeah, plant, you're not gonna put think. that in a in a beer. Yeah, you gotta no, blame those fucking things taste good. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh okay. So Sure. It, uh, one taster described this as having an aggressive aroma. Uh, most people found the banana flavor to be lacking. <laughs> Fine. Uh, it was a perfectly pleasant beer, creamy mouthfeel, delicious hints of dried fruit, chocolate, and cinnamon, but the banana is overshadowed here. So, Tony, it's the um, Urban County Bananas Foster Stout 2023. Uh, this one has... Actually, more ratings. 5,752 ratings already. This was a high Bananas, almonds, cashew, cashew bark, and natural uh, flavors. Now. 13.9%. I think this is going to be a divisive beer. Um, I just want you um, to stick that number in your head, write it down somewhere, because I want you to do an untapped search to see whether you checked in the 2017 Proprietus Stout, um, and then we can come to that rating after I've put this one in because I don't even want that one yeah, to yeah. Um, influence my decision. I'm going to say that because the banana is lacking, this comes in at a somewhat disappointing for Bourbon County, a 48 Two seven, four point two seven. Oh shit! Tony almost on the nose. A hundredth off. Four point two six. Yes, uh, Tony baby. nailed that one. So that one becomes the the bottom, the cellar dweller so far at the moment, with only two out there. Tony, if you're wondering, the 2017 prop. Uh, 
What do you think? Do you think it did better or the same? Do you think it's the same? I think it did better because it, it wasn't named yeah, Bananas Foster. crazy better. 4.64 wow. on the 2017 prop. Wild. Now, Pellets have changed. There's been a lot of gloop go between here yeah. and here and then. But my biggest issue is the marketing of it. Bananas Fusters promise something that no beer can actually deliver. Uh, if you call yeah, it a banana true. beer and call it the proprietors, uh, much better rating. Had you checked it in? I did not actually ever get this one. This is okay. one I never uh, – oh, no, I did. Sorry, I'm an idiot. I did get it. I fived it. Oh, shit. I probably had like a like a sippy of it. Uh, at, yeah, at Iron and Glass. Yep. Now uh, – I wish I could see what time – can I see what time? I checked 5.20 p.m. on August 15th, 2019. So it was two years later too. Yeah. Now, this is where I want to defend myself here. I feel like I need to. I have been accused – Straight out by one of the listeners of this show of cheating during Untapped. Now, Griff, (laughs) to the best of your knowledge, have I ever cheated during this game, both here and in the live version of the game we held in your hotel room? Yeah, we were pretty, we were feeling pretty good uh, during the live version. Uh, People, we have people feeling pretty bold. I gotta say, but uh, no. Uh, to my knowledge, I think you um, you are the most practiced person probably on the earth at doing this. <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, there's no one else who would do this this much uh, at this many times over almost 200 episodes. <laughs> so I gotta assume that there's nobody more rehearsed than Tony at uh, guessing these ratings. So um, I, I, he's in good. And listen, right now he's in good shape. Or getting out of the well yet again, uh, so I don't. I don't have any reason to believe he's he's cheating. And to be honest, if he was going to cheat, it would have been in the live version. I, that's, I just think that's true. <laughs> if he was ever going to do it, that would have been the time to do it. And I didn't. Uh, I don't think he's doing it now, though. I know he didn't. But we're going to do this one. This is the number four rated one. This is the one I was the most excited for. So I'm hoping that they are wrong. Um, this is the Bourbon County Eagle Rare two-year reserve stout. This variant was aged for two years in barrels that held uh, 10-year-old Eagle Rare bourbon uh, and resulted in a bolder flavor profile. We could tell even before our first sips of it that we were dealing with a heavy hitter. One taster highlighted its incredible nose. Another insisted it smells like cough medicine. Interesting. Uh, other called it flavor. Uh, sorry, others called its flavor deep and rich, and picked up hints of dried fruit, fig, cherry, and barrel char. See, that's what I like—that char taste. That some of these differently than D Star. I will yeah. say that Bourbon Counties can pick up a okay. special char. Oh shit! Oh yeah, I'm reading the right one. Okay. Yeah, you are. Um, I just want to say, uh, when they say cough syrup, you can't be that generic. Let's be honest. Right. If you're going to mention cough syrup, you must mention the brand name. And the variant of that brand name. If it tastes right like Robitussin, <laughs> it's going like to be... Tap. We were also discussing tap, this. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. That was funny. Yeah, this is also a conversation that came up. Cough syrup untapped, yeah. Yeah. Um, next up... Or sorry, next up. Okay, so <laughs> the one you got here is the Eagle Rare. Yep. Uh, here's the description from Burb- from Burble, from Burble County. Aged for two years in extraordinary Eagle Rare 10-year-old barrels, each sip is a culmination of the brewer's passion. 
intricately woven together with nuanced flavors imparted by these remarkable barrels. I'm not going to read the rest. It, you yeah. know what it is. It's got I, I just know. under 1,000 ratings. It's 14.5%. I'm going to go back to where I was with this beer. This, to me, is just where the original should be rated. I think some people will give it more props than what it's probably worth. I think this is something that you and I discuss often. Are our palates good enough to distinguish between, like, blended barrels and one-off barrels like this? And I know this isn't a one-off barrel, but it's a one-off lot of barrels that are then blended together to to get this beer in. I'm not sure whether I could tell the difference, even though it's been aged for 10 years um, or the bourbon has. I think – stout for two years i feel like i can sometimes when you double the length of aging time i don't want to pat myself on the back i think sometimes i can pick that up that's for that extra extra char extra woody taste and you know you and i are both the fans of the the punch the the little ethanol punch you can get from that so so i'm going to go 5.51 i think this has got more hype 5.51 oh sorry 4.51 that would (laughs) have been oh shit Revolutionary. I thought I'd nailed it there for a second and then, yeah, I just realized what I've done. All right. 4.51. Tony says 4.51. Tony gets another one. He's three for three. 4.55 on that one. He's he's right there. Uh, He is dialed into Bourbon (laughs) County. He and Bourbon County are, like, locked in together. Um, 4.55, really good. This one I still want. So... Yep. I don't care what Inside Hook says. I, I still want to get my hands on this one. Uh, let's see if I can dig that out of a jewel clearance bin when I'm back in <laughs> Chicago. Uh, the jewel. All right, number three, last three. And he's well on his way. He needs one more, and he's clear of the well. Uh, number three, rated here by Inside Hook, the Bourbon County Angels Envy two-year cask finish stout. So this is their first ever cask finish stout. It's 15.5%. This one's punchy. Uh, so they aged it for a year in Angel's, Angel's Envy barrels. Angel's Envy is a bourbon, you know, clearly. Then yep. 60% of that batch went into Ruby Port wine barrels for another year. And another 40%, 40 percent, 40% spent both years in the bourbon, in the Angel's Envy. So you have a blend of port barrel and bourbon barrel, right? Yep. Uh, 15.5% is the booziest. It's not overwhelming. Nice and mild for what it is, wrote one taster. Others picked up notes of dark chocolate, cherry, oak, and tannin. One noticed that the flavor opened up the longer the beer sat out, but with the taste getting drier as it warmed up. So doesn't sound overwhelmingly whiny, I would, no, say, but- I would say, for the port, um, but maybe a little more of that tannin and, and oak taste. Yeah. Um, this, to uh, me, sounds like the most interesting variety. We had a few um, wine barrel This one um, I'd be into, too. This is one I would get into. Yeah. The tannins do some nice things to beers that are that boozy, and the, the notes that we were talking about, I really think they round them out nicely. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's a good choice to blend uh, as it, it at a 60-40 mix. Um, yeah. I... I would rate this higher personally without tasting it, but I think this one is going to come in at the low 4.4s. I think this is going to come in at 4.42. 
because, um, yeah, there's going to some of those tannins are going to be off putting to some people that haven't um, done the wine barrel aged or wine yeah. blended beers. Yeah, you get that one too, Tony. I feel I realize I, sh- I made a tactical error here and I should have made you get it within a half point or something because yep. all of these are going to be fours. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be no pairs, whatever. It's just a bit. Hey, who gives a shit? Um, 4.49 on this one, so we're going to hand it to you anyways. Although, to be honest, you've gotten one within a hundredth, one with a half point. You, it, it, I don't think it would matter on the outcome of the game. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, we're, we're just going to we're just gonna walk this. Uh, yeah, 4.42 for the Angels Envy. Or sorry, 4.49 yep. the Angels Envy is the, is the uh, final for that. So, so far, Are you gonna Eagle pick Rare is the highest... I would, yeah. These are, so Eagle Rare and the Angels Envy are the two I would get. Yep. Um, we got two left. Uh, next one up, number two is the Backyard Stout, twelve point nine percent. The spinoff of the twenty thirteen Backyard Rye, aged in bourbon barrels for at least a year, finished with mulberries, boysenberries, and marionberries. Uh, it uh, does that mean cocaine? Purplish hue. Wasn't he a mayor that did uh, cocaine or crack at one point? Marion Barry, yeah, he was the mayor of Washington D.C. He yeah, doing a lot of cocaine. It is the least boozy, and it's very fruity. It says has a purplish hue, gives it an almost wine-like quality. Most yeah. of our tasters appreciated the berry flavor. Uh, one described it: if beer was a fruit snack, one wrote that it was balanced, easy, and goes down smooth. Uh, one holdout docked points: seems like the berries are competing are competing for flavor space here. Uh, so this was the number two, the backyard stout. Now they say purplish hue. I raise them purplish hue into bright blue beer. That is the future. You've seen it in Australia. Oh it is real. Kelly had it. I had to go back and dip into the well. It's a wild, wild beer. The other Kelly. Yeah, that's just crazy. That's blue milk shit right there. <laughs> All right. Backyard Bourbon County brand start start uh, Imperial start aged in bourbon barrels with Moonberry. Moonberry, yeah, you know what it was, Boysenberry, which is very uh, similar yeah, yeah. to the Framboise um, beer as far as the fruit quantity goes. I don't know how this goes in the stout. I think that one taster is actually on the right train of thought here. I think on the right side of history. Yeah. Yep. This is. This is uh, the Schindler of this stout group. Uh, they're standing on the right mm. side of this thing. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> that this is a 4.24. This one's a divisive boy. Tony, we got you on one of these. Yes. This one is a 4.11. I was, uh, I this was... is divisive. You were right. Yes. You were right in the head. But you could not get the number I'm quite with low that. enough for this one. People uh, are unhappy with this one comparatively. Uh, fruity up front, then sour. Let me try to find some reviews. Just didn't do it for me, says Shane Lewinstra. Uh, ooh, people buying this at Kroger. Uh, one less. Oh, somebody's celebrating Henry Kissinger being dead. I mean, listen, I agree. One less war criminal. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Drinking the Bourbon County. Four stars. <laughs> Hell yeah. Mike D, my guy. Um, would be over four if the berry was not quite as strong. So some people think are thinking this is a little 
uh, strong. Okay, this person, we have to read this review, Timmy. Uh, just writes hashtag macro slut jizz 1.25. <laughs> now, macro um, slut jizz. Did you realize yeah. back in the day, Henry Henry Kissinger was a ladies' man? All the lady, ladies' fancies. so nasty to think yeah. about, dude. Just gross. All right. Let's see one. Let's see the last one. We can get set people free. It's uh, like obviously, K- you know, the winner did. here. Mm hmm. Yeah right. Uh, this is the uh, I thought of I thought of him a lot. I was glad he he died after I thought of him so much when I kept riding the train past the um, uh, uh, Cambodian fucking like shrine that was that was in Melbourne on the train. I'm like oh shit, man, that's too bad. Uh, this is prop number one is prop. This is their favorite. Uh, they say uh, if you happen to find yourself anywhere near the windy city. Run, don't walk to pick up a bottle. Best of the bunch. Sounds like some, and you know why it's the best of the bunch, Tony? Because it sounds like some pastry. Yep. Inspired by rice pudding. No offense to rice pudding. I enjoy rice pudding, uh, for the record. Me too. Uh, brewed with cashew bark, toasted rice, brown sugar, and raisins, and it was a clear winner. I mean, honestly, that's a nice, I think that's a nice set of flavors for, for stout. It's yep. fine. Uh, seven out of ten tasters chose as their favorite. Uh, several called it delicate, remarked how, and how well the lighter flavor of the toasted rice enhanced the bolder elements of the stout. The cinnamon and toasted rice really come through. Cozy flavors like a warm dessert. It absolutely is a, absolutely a sweet beer, never cloyingly so. I already have an idea, Tony. Uh, now, there's a Danish dessert, and you know I've, I talk about Denmark shit way too much on this show because I'm horny for it, but uh, their Christmas dessert is a rice pudding. It's called Riz Allemande. And essentially just rice pudding um, with berries all over it. Oh, so if you want to improve that backyard stout, it sounds like you just take about a three-quarter pour of prop and a one-quarter pour I like of, of berry, right? Yeah, and you cuvee that shit into the Riz Allemande cuvee. Yep. Um, I think you could have something going on there. But anyways, this year's prop. Tony, what do you think? This is a fucking monster. This is a 4.6. Zero. Absolute monster. Big winner by a, a huge margin. Forget about the rice pudding inspiration. Those flavors just fucking go together like Vegemite and French pastries. That was good too. I can't wait to talk about that. Tony, this is going to blow your mind. I didn't go high enough. Nope. You went too high. What? 4.42 what? for the. This one hits. D Star on the nose. It's right there with D Star. Uh, I will say D Star uh, probably a better beer still. Probably true. Um, so I thought that would have gone more. Uh, the reviews are pretty positive. Now some people uh, don't seem to be picking up the flavor. I think it might be a little subtle um, as I read the reviews. So Matt Gastaldi says tastes like re- regular BCS. What happened to the great props? Oh, so he wants uh, a full on cartoon of beer. He wants a full cartoon beer. Yeah, he wants it. Uh, I'm trying to... First sip was pretty good when very cold, but it fell apart after that. The adjuncts aren't well balanced and taste artificial. Barely any barrel. Now, barely any barrel I can buy, actually. Um, that is an issue with prop in the past, is that it gets horacy a little bit. Yep. Um, gotcha. and, and you start to lose the, the barrel character. So, 
Uh, and then we've got another one here. People hate this nowadays. Somebody says it's a bit thin. Uh, people like their big, thick boy stouts. So. Yep. Yeah, I do remember right. it not being yeah. particularly thick, but that's what I like about D-Star. I was expecting that to be a super thick boy, but that was that had nice body to it not, too. There's nothing about stout, and not to be BJCP asshole, that says it should be fucking thick. I, I know. I'm, that, you know? Yep. Yeah, um, I get you. I'm, you and I are on the same side, you know? Yep. there's It's the Horus thing, right? I'm not saying it can't be, but uh, I think we're a little bit harsh on stouts that don't have that, like, really filmy texture. Yep. It shouldn't taste um, like an oil sleep. Sometimes it is nice to not have that because it's yep. so hard to drink more than a little teeny bit of beers like that. Tony, you're safe. If you go four for six, you're free from the well. Overall, uh, from an un- untapped rates, these a little bit different. Uh, they rate the Eagle Rare number one, Angel's Envy number two, Prop number three, Original is number four, Bananas is number five, and Backyard is number six. That's the untapped version of the Inside Hook ratings. And that's the game, and that's the show. Tony wants to tell people where they can find us. I certainly will. Um, but I just want to say that um, Bonnie, who wrote this article, has been doing um, at least Bourbon County reviews on this site since at least December 2nd, 2021. So huh. she has been doing it yeah. for quite some time. Um, Respect and, to Bonnie. Yeah. And also, interestingly, the ads that I'm getting on the side of the Inside Hook pages, it's, of course, the lovely Timu, which is just a rebrand of Wish. Dot com. You should do big edges off Timu. Um, I think back in the early days you did a did not sure whether it was an untapped or what game you did, but you did do a game around Wish.com and the beer, beer I was things you fucking found on buying there. shit on Wish.com when I, when we started this show. I was, <laughs> absolute garbage. It's just yeah. trash. Well, Timu it would take six same. months to get like the a little piece of Gertrude landfill. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. But you can find us on Untapped. That man across from me, virtually this time, he like this t- this time last week, he was across from me in real life. Is Griff AD? I'm Saint Moz, and we're both on Untapped. Great social media platform. If you're in person, you can use a QR code to link up with one another. Really handy feature that I found out. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. At Beer Engine Pod, that man across from me was putting up some great stories over the time. It was great to see. And he also sent me a private message on my other account about the V-line situation that I had and the PTSD that that caused me. Uh, you can send us an email, beerengineshow at gmail.com. And, of course, don't forget to tip because this man's back in America and tipping is well, it's needed because we don't earn minimum right. wage doing this show. It is ko-fi.com forward slash beer engine podcast. Oh, it's good to be back on the mics, but not quite as good as having you in person. Uh, yeah, come, uh, Tony, we'll have, you, we'll have you in the States soon enough. Uh, I just learned, Tony, that Great Lakes is making a barrel-aged Christmas ale, and their Christmas ale is fire. And I like, I like Christmas ale. I like a little spicy know old timey christmas ale with like the little spices in there and they're putting it in a barrel eight percent you know that barrel's popping off in there uh i bet that's really good so i'm gonna have to hunt that down when i'm back in the midwest tony it was a good time hanging out again 
Uh, I'm already uh, missing being in Australia. It's a great time of uh, Kelly next week to talk about all of the uh, excitement we had over there and all the great beers we drank and maybe even open one on the air. How about we open a Deeds or a yeah. Rocker while we're all around next week? That'd be fun. Uh, but otherwise, uh, good to be back, gang. We will talk to you again next week. Farewell.